0: Street Child Chapter 11 The Spitting Crow Rosie sat on the floor and rocked Jim until he had sobbed himself to sleep, and then she lowered him down and went outside. The old woman stuck out her foot and tried to nudge Jim awake, but he was just too far away for her to reach. She spat into the fire instead. Rosie had gone down down the yard to a shed that was built out over the river. Foul-smelling water lapped around it. Inside it was heaped with bits of yarn and tarred rope but she managed to push those to one end to make a bed of some sort out of old sacks. She went back into the cottage and filled a tray with whelks and eels that she was going to sell down near the shops and hurried out. She knew that if Jim woke up he wouldn't wander far and she also knew that she couldn't afford to miss the morning shoppers. Old grandma edged her box chair closer and at last managed to keep Jim awake. He sat up slowly, puzzling to himself, to find, puzzled to find himself in a strange, smoky room with a toothless old woman peering down at him. Then he remembered where he was. He was in Rosie's cottage and he was safe. The old woman nudged him again with her bit and nodded towards the half-eaten loaf that was sticking out of his pocket. She stretched out her clawed hand and Jim broke off a piece of bread and held it out to her, afraid of her glaring eyes and her restless chewing mouth. She scowled at him and pecked at his hand, then opened her mouth wide. Jim broke off a bit of bread and fed it to her and like a greedy bird she pecked and waited and he fed her bit by bit. Sometimes, when she was slow, he bit a piece off for himself. When she nodded off to sleep, he wandered outside and sat by the lake, sat by the river. It was as busy as a market with sailing ships plowing their way through the mist and barges nudging in and out of the wafts. Far out, he could see he could just make out the bulk of a paddle steamer, huge and wheezing. He wondered how far the river went and what it would be like to be on one of those boats, rocking in the wake of the steamers. When Rosie came home, it was nearly dark again. Jim stayed outside all the time, a little afraid of the spitting grandmother and her greedy pecking mouth. Quite a few people seemed to go into the cottage, mostly men and boys, and there came from time to time the sound of arguing and shouting. There was an old man who seemed to come and go a lot and who did most of the shouting whenever there was anyone else with him or not. When he wasn't shouting, he was laughing to himself in a dry, coughing way that wasn't laughing at all. Jim wondered if he was Rosie's grandfather. It was cold on the bank side, but Jim didn't want to go back into the cottage. He watched some boys playing in the snow and tried to join in but they ran away as soon as they saw him. When at last he saw Rosie coming, he ran to her. The tray that she the tray that she had strapped to her shoulders was half empty. She was dra- dra- dragging her feet as she walked. Well, Jim, she said, I've got no time to talk to you now. I've food to cook for my grandfather and uncles, as they are cu- they're kind enough to give me a home. She stopped by the cottage, and I can't ask you in. Grandfather would throw you out to the gulls and me with you if, you th- if he thought you intended, were intending to stay. There's too many of us. Do you understand? Jim stared up at her. Don't look at me like that, Jim, she said. You don't know my grandfather, or you wouldn't look at me like that. But I'll show you where you can sleep tonight if you promise to be careful. She took him down to the shed. Will you be all right here? She asked. It's cold, and it doesn't—it don't half stink all that with all that rot on the river. But it's dry enough. I like it," said Jim. "I can pretend I'm on a boat, Rosie." So you can," she stood at the door and looked out at the darkening water, as if she'd never seen it before. Her eyes narrowing. Like to sail away, would you, Jim? I know I would. Far away, to anywhere, anywhere would be better than this. Drowning would be better than this. She turned around abruptly. You bed down then and I'll bring you some cooked fish in a bit. Jim could hear shouting from the cottage when Rosie went down to it. He could hear the old pecking woman crowing crowing for food and the grandfather coughing. Nobody seemed to talk quietly. From all of the cottage doors and windows along the wafts were spilt. There was spilt out the there spilt out the sound of shouting and arguing. Jim remembered the quiet of the w- of the wards, and wondered whether Tip was sleep was asleep by now, and whether he was missing him. Later, Rosie brought hot fish and tea and bread and a candle in a holder for him. Jim had been lying on his stomach watching the boat lanterns glimmering like eyes on the water as if they were creatures turning themselves upside down in the darkness. She knelt down and took the sack around him. Don't you ever let Grandpa know you're here. See, I won't. Good boy. I'll go in soon and see the old lady. She's like a sparrow, said Jim. Rosie laughed. A, haw- a crow more like. Seen crows, Jim. Flappy, greedy things, that's Grandma, when she gets going, a spitting crow. I sometimes think she'd peck my hand right off if she hung- was hungry enough. Rosie, Jim said, can I stay here? She hurled the candle up so she could look down at him. Stay here? I don't know how long I'll be staying here myself. Can't you ever go back to his lordship's house? I wish I could. I was com- very comfortable there. I was very lucky to get that job. It was because Elaine Betsy spoke up for me that I got it. But never mind. I lost it and that's that. Was it because of Izzy and Emily that you lost it? Rosie was silent for a bit. Then she said, Lord no, whatever made you think of that, Jim? It was because my cooking was so bad. I've never cooked anything but fish in my life. And they expected me to bake bread, bread. My bread broke the flagstones if I dropped it. Jim smiled to himself in the dark. He'd just tried some of Rosie's bread, and he reckoned she was right. But what about Emily and Izzy? They didn't send, get. They didn't get sent to the workhouse, did they? Rosie blew her nose on her fishy apron. To the workhouse, Emily and Izzy. I'd have fought them all. His Lordship included, if they'd done that. No, I'll tell you what happened to Emily and Izzy. Close your eyes and I'll tell you what happened. Jim listened quietly while Rosie told him about the grey-eyed lady who had visited the big house. She had come down into the kitchen to see the two girls for herself. She took them upstairs, Jim, and had them washed in her own washroom. Then she sent out dresses for them, one a blue one for Emily and a white one for Izzy, and then she took them into a carriage, a beautiful carriage drawn by four white horses. You should have seen them setting off, as proud as little queens. They went all the way to the countryside, to her summer house, to be looked after there. She took the sacks round, she took the sacks round him and crept out of the shed and back into the noisy cottage and Jim lay for a long time listening to the soft lapping of the river against his shed, thinking about the story Rosie had told him, and hoping it was true.